My name is Jake McLean. I serve as the host of the NASPA Small College and Universities Division podcast. The next episode starts now. Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to the NASPA Small College and Universities Division podcast. My name is Jake McLean. I serve as the Assistant Director of Leadership Development and Service for Monmouth College in Monmouth, Illinois. Today on the show, we welcome uh, Tiffany Sanchez, the Vice President for Student Affairs at Stevenson University. Uh, Tiffany, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Jake. Thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, so, um, you know, I want to jump right in, be mindful of the time. Um, So tell the listeners uh, a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so um, I am um, Tiffany Sanchez. I'm the Vice President of Student Affairs at Stevenson University. Um, I've been there about two and a half years. Um, My career has uh, been predominantly within student affairs here in Maryland and D.C. Um, I was at American University for 12 years and then at Johns Hopkins for four and a half. Um, a long history in student affairs, really have enjoyed my experience um, in student affairs. I um, started out working with new student programs and new student orientation, uh, first year living learning communities, uh, and then took on more roles um, as the Associate Dean of Student Engagement at uh, Hopkins, and then as Vice President here at Student Affairs. I have a, an 11 year old daughter and two girls uh, who are sort of um, acquired daughters, so a 10 year old and a and uh, an eight-year-old. They keep me pretty busy. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I'm, uh, I'm assuming you've been working from home, uh, so I imagine that uh, that is keeping you even more busy uh, these days. Absolutely. <laughs> we, uh, I just went up and I said, I'm going to be recorded for something, so you'll have to be really quiet. <laughs> so they're, they're reading and, and doing math right now, so. Yeah, yeah. I, um, I will say that uh, my dog likes to join the podcast every once in a while. Oh. Uh, nice. currently uh, sitting on my feet uh, and it's thunderstorming outside so uh, she's going to be uh, a little she's going to whine a few times here and there so <laughs> no uh, worries so uh, well great uh, when you think of, uh, about your time in uh, student affairs uh, what kind of led you to um, what led you to join the field yeah um, I think like a lot of people, um, I started out in college, I was, I was fairly active in extracurricular, co-curricular kinds of uh, programs and engagements when I was in undergrad. I, I'm actually from New Mexico originally, um, so I went to the University of New Mexico um, as an undergrad, studied English and German language, English Lit and German language, and uh, while I was working on it, I was in fraternity sorority life, so I was our, our Panhellenic president, and I remember sitting with our advisor once, and and saying, I just, you know, I was really stuck. I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. Should I go to grad school for something? Should I just go get a job? Um, I had actually taken an extra semester to graduate. Um, I was one of those students that, like, I had no real plan about what I wanted to do. So I was a junior before I declared a major. And so I had to take an extra semester to graduate um, so that I could get all those credits in. And um, I remember sitting with her and saying, I just wish I could do what you do all day. And she she said what many of us say uh, when we have students that say that to us. You know, there's a, a whole field of study out there um, where you can learn how to do this work and work with college students. And she explained that many um, programs in those days, I hate to say in those days, but um, would offer would offer uh, a, you know scholarship or um, 
tuition remission if you were working at, with a firm assistance group or something. And so I thought, well, I'll go into that for two years and at least I'll have a master's degree after and it'll be free. And if I um, like it, then great. And if I don't, well, I'll just go do something else. And I, of course, got hooked. So yeah. uh, that's how I got into it, yeah. Yeah. I uh, I love that uh, question because every time I've asked it of, of anybody we've had on the podcast, uh, I mean, we all have a similar story, right? Uh, of, yeah. of that uh, that person who, uh, you know, brought us in uh, a little bit. So great. So, uh, you know, I mentioned uh, the, uh, the working from home bit and, uh, you know, um, 2020 has been a wild ride uh, so far. <laughs> And so um, tell us a little bit about how uh, you've been managing and uh, leading through this time. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> you know, I think early on, there was some question about how bad it would be. And I remember very, very early reaching out to our director of residence life, who at the time was brand new. I mean, she started on July, thir January 13th. Oh boy. So, you know, in, in, in late February or early March, I said, you know, we might want to just start thinking about what it would mean. What would be the implications of taking a building offline? How would it, you know, if we had to have a quarantine space or, you know, just be thinking about what that might look like, you know? Um, and so I think, and same for our student activities folks, I had just said, you know, we might want to just, just kind of start brainstorming about what orientation might look like if there's some major thing going on, you know, that we have has to alter our programming or something. Um, and then, of course, as time went on, we realized it was going to be much quicker <laughs> than, than I thought it was going to be. Um, I think that the difficulty in leading from the vice president position, um, and I think for, for directors who have set staff as well, I think the difficulty is that it's so in the middle, you know, um, there's, the, there's leadership and then there's leadership and then there's leadership. And at each of those places in an organization, um, there's getting the information and then giving the information or providing the information and then same going the other direction, right? right? So um, it, it's, it's that up and down the ladder of communication and problem solving that can, can be really frustrating and confusing and, um, and kind of scary, to be really honest, when it's so uncertain. And I think, you know, for all of us, my, my goal has really been to try to be as transparent as I can be, and to be really honest about what I don't know, you know, um, and to, to really try to understand the frustrations that people are having and understand that it's not personal, um, that it is part and parcel of where we are right now. And where we are right now is just a really tough place. Um, and I think for particularly for small colleges and universities, we're so used to engaging in a personal way, not that larger schools aren't, but I think at small schools, you know, I see everybody, you know, a lot, um, you know, so my whole team, you know, meets once a month and I, you know, I, and I know them fairly well. Um, and I think that at, at the, a small college, that connection and now the lack of connection and personal interaction and seeing people face to face um, weighs a little bit differently. I think. 
for us than it does maybe for some, some for some folks at large. So you've recently written a, a blog post for the small college and universities division, you know, making a call for, uh, you know, more emotional intelligence to, to be present uh, in particular to the online environment. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so talk to us just a little bit about uh, how that's kind of come to, to your mind to write about in the first place. Yeah. Um, we had um, had some conversations before this the pandemic had started about, you know, we usually in January start thinking about what our summer retreat topics are going to look like and, and what we're going to be thinking about as we move forward through the year. Um, and we have had some interactions on campus, I think, where there had been some misunderstandings um, that had happened. I think there's a, a psychological concept called attributional error. Um, where you might attribute someone's behavior to their personality as opposed to the situation. And so we had maybe seen some of that happening with some different folks. And um, and there was, a, a, I think, an opportunity for us to think about how we interact with one another um, and how the very pieces of our life, like, you know, none of us is just in isolation at work. Like, I am now in my workspace. And all I'm thinking about is work, right? I mean, we talk about that with students all the time, that, that the student's experience is not bifurcated, right? When they're in the classroom, they're not just in the classroom. They're also thinking about the, the roommate disagreement that they've had, right? Or the fact that their significant other is, you know, dumping them or whatever it is. I mean, those things don't, we don't stop thinking about those things depending on where we're at. And um, the idea to, to discuss emotional intelligence um, with our group was, was an opportunity for us to think about how, how we interact with one another and how we interact with students and how we think about how all of those emotions play a part in um, how we interact with one another and, and, and what we do and say, um, how that can affect other people. And so, um, you know, again, just an opportunity for us to, to think about um, engaging with one another in a different way to give us some common language. And um, I think that's usually why we have a, a topic during the summer retreat. Again, it's just to provide that common language and, and common opportunity to think about things from, from one lens. Yeah, I really appreciate that. Uh, you know, you, you know, the, uh, I really applaud my colleagues who are like just laser focused and able to like shut parts of themselves off to like do whatever they need to do. Yeah. And uh, I I just like stared in awe sometimes of people being able to like separate their relationships with people, you know, um, being in a, at a small college, uh, you know, in a small town in particular, you know, everybody's friends with everybody. Everybody knows the drama that's going on in town. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's as an ENFP, you know, I feel everything all the time. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, sometimes we, uh, sometimes we forget that. And so, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, well, so. I, I think you bring up a good point about the ENFP. I think it's important. I've always really liked doing that particular um, exercise with my students because when I know, or, or even with my staff members, right? So this is that part of self-awareness from emotional intelligence. When I know something about myself and I know something about you, I can help to make a bridge between those two pieces. So if I know you're a feeler, but I'm a thinker, I'm not, I'm a feeler too, but if I'm a thinker, I know that I might have to change my approach in working with you because you're gonna hear something from me. You know, if I'm, a, if I'm an ISTJ, 
you're going to hear something from me in a way in a through a lens that may not be how I intended at all yeah so um it's good I think for us to have some self-awareness about how we how we hear messages how we give messages so that we can help to build bridges you know to have better understanding for sure yeah so uh throughout your blog post you reference uh you know uh Daniel Goleman uh who uh, was a big uh author behind emotional intelligence and leadership uh, and, uh, you know, the, the five suggestions, uh, that, that he gives that you write about. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, do any of those stand out as probably the most important to you? I think the be reflective piece is probably the, one of the more important ones. And I think it's, it's such a foundation or such a building block for how we engage with others. I think that, you know, I think there's a, a great, I think it's attributed to Lincoln, you know, the habit of observation. Um, is indispensable. And I think observing yourself is really, really important. And and when we can can have an opportunity to think about ourselves and how we respond to the world, um, that can, you know, that can make us into better people. And I think that that's really a foundation. You know, if I can think about how I'm responding, I always tell, you know, my girls, like, we can only change our own response to the whatever's happening, right? So we're responsible for our own feelings about what's going on. We're responsible for our own behavior. And if you're not reflective, <clears throat> you don't have an opportunity to um, to manage that part. So I think that's really the, the key thing. Um, I think what's so much harder is the the second one, which is the, the thinking and then acting. Mm-hmm. Um, the self-regulation, right? That requires self-control and being able, to, so being in touch first, then being able to manage what's going on. Um, I think most of our student affairs professionals remember our purpose really well. So that that second, or the third one that he talks about, um, and I'm looking for the, what the language that he uses for it, um, internal motivation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we do that part really well. Like we, we all got into this because we had an amazing experience and we want to do that for our students as well. So that internal motivation, I think, um, is something that, that we do pretty well. So I, I would say that foundational piece is probably the, the reflection and the, the self-awareness is probably the most important. Yeah. So, you know, one of the, one of the past episodes of the podcast that we did, uh, we did uh, lessons uh, learned from uh, the first year in the vice president's role. Mm-hmm. And one of the themes that comes up and we, we spent a good time discussing is, you know, how to manage everything that's going on in the first place. Uh, you know, just bouncing from meeting to meeting, you know, it's uh, and making sure that you're taking the time, but um, you know, where does, the, where does time fit into being able to uh observe and and be reflective and take it all in Uh, and so how do you find yourself kind of uh, when you're practicing these things uh, for yourself and for your staff um, you know how does time play a role in that that's a great question Um, I think particularly in in the situation that we find ourselves so I I commute to work so I have a about a 30 minute ride in Um, and when I take my daughter to school I take her to school three days a week or two days a week um, so when I take her to school, I have almost an hour, you know, when I'm in the car by myself. So um, I, that was the time when I <laughs> would generally be more reflective. 
um, you know, sit quietly, listen to music or a podcast that really makes me think about, um, you know, how I'm interacting with my team or how they're doing or what's going on in the world. Um, but when you, you know, when you're not commuting anymore, that's a, that can be really difficult to find that time. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, uh, we had an interesting conversation at work the other day. Well, not the other day, it was before all of this happened, because um, I remember it being in person. Um, how, how we all think about, like, how, what is our internal voice like? Um, and, you know, some people's internal voices is just visual. Um, some people have an internal voice of words. My internal voice is, is words and pictures. So it's kind of, kind of when I'm thinking quietly to myself or I'm processing something, um, it's like a little movie going. And so, um, you know, I find myself doing that, you know, really oftentimes it's right after a meeting, I'll sit quietly, particularly now, because like, you know, the computer shuts off and then I'm sitting quietly and thinking about how that went. Um, or, you know, it, it is, it's much harder to find, I think, the quiet times now, because, you know, I'm in my house with, you know, three other people, four other people, and, um, you know, there's not a lot of quiet time. So. No, no, there's not. Yeah. 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 I, uh, I think uh, I have found my quiet reflective time uh, uh, helping my dog burn off excess energy by going out on walks. Walks, yeah. And, you know, um, and I am not an outdoors uh, kind of person, but uh, I've been able to get out a lot more. And so it's like, it's the little things too. And sometimes I think <laughs> we overlook the little things and the those Absolutely. smaller opportunities. Absolutely. Yeah, so... Um, the thing uh, that, uh, as a fellow F, I'm sure you're, uh, you are well aware of the other, uh, one of the uh, last few steps uh, talks about uh, feeling the feelings uh, of others with others. Uh, and so, uh, you know, for maybe our, uh, our thinker colleagues, uh, how do we encourage them to, uh, to practice that skill or to, to develop that skill? Yeah, great question. Um, I think we should ask a thinker. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no kidding. Because the feelers is like it's a no-brainer. Just you just look at them. You just know. You just know. Um, yeah, I think that's a really great question. Um, and you know, it's not one we and we did just have our our online retreat um, with my team where we where we did sort of talk through all of this. Um, that's a great question, and it's one I think I would bring back. I'm sure I know we have some thinkers on our team, oh, yeah. um, but I, you know, I mean, I don't know if I was, if I was giving advice to a thinker, um, I, I think that I might suggest um, encouraging them to, to think about times when they felt something similar to other people's feelings and sort of reflect on that, you know, right. how they, how they were feeling in that. Thinkers don't not have feelings, right? Right. Um, but they just may, they may process information. Yeah. Um, so um, yeah, to, to sort of put themselves in a, in a position where they maybe have been through something similar um, and practice empathy in that way, yeah. um, I think can be maybe a useful exercise. Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, uh, trying to teach, uh, so I do our leadership programs on our campus and, uh, you know, emotional intelligence is huge um, in terms of, developing leadership skill and uh, and all of those things. And so uh, watching um, them go through appreciative inquiry uh, mm -hmm. 
and uh, and sitting with others, uh, especially those they don't know, because they always yeah. grow up with their friends or something. And then I stop them halfway through, switch them around. They look at me right. like I've just offended them so so mm-hmm. profoundly. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, it's just, uh, yeah. I I don't know. That was a bunch of rambles, but I just no, no. I I think that's a, I think that's important. I think it's I think you bring up a really good point about helping people find tools. Oh right? yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And so appreciative inquiry absolutely um, can be a really great tool for helping folks to understand how to be with people. Um, you know, active listening skills is another one, right? So mm-hmm. developing those really well. Um, um, I think I think too helping people to read body language is really important. Um, and so watching and observing how folks are responding in situations. Um, I talked about that a little bit about Laura, you know, just sort of in, in a meeting, you can see that really differently when you're face to face and on a blog, when you're on these blocks, it just, it's very, very different to sort of watch people's emotions mm-hmm. um, and, and try to discern how they're doing. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, yeah. Uh, you know, I, um, I appreciated, uh, that you said you, uh, you're a big gallery view person uh, yeah. because uh, so am I, but I'm also the people watcher of our, of our staff meetings. So I'm always like trying to look at every box and then, then I find myself not paying attention to whoever's talking. Cause I'm trying right. to figure out what's going right. on. Yeah. Well, some of these modules or, or platforms, you know, the one that we use, you can't, you can only ever see nine people and so you can't like i i love on zoom or ring central there's the arrow so you can go in over to see the other screens but with our system you, you can only ever see the nine people and then occasionally if someone's speaking they'll show up in your gallery again right. and then it kind of cycles in and out um but i find that really tough because i i really in a meeting i like to be able to see everyone yeah well, um, I think I've cycled through all of our questions. Uh, okay. Is there anything else that you feel we haven't touched on that the audience just has to know? <laughs> they must know. I think that particularly in times like these uh, where we are distant from one another and where the world is uncertain and where there's a lot of very natural fear and anxiety going on anyway, um, with the most recent events that we've seen with protests and, um, you know, knowing how, how that all of us have our own emotional um, landscape in, in coping with these newer events, I think it's just so important for us all to recognize that we are coming at this, all of us, from really different places. Um, and that the emotion that we feel is going to pop up in ways because self-control is so hard and because self-control takes, it, it's, it takes active work to, like you said, compartmentalize and focus because we were already so drained. I think um, this new information I know for me has made it much more difficult um, to to stay focused. And I think that it's important, particularly for leaders, to recognize that we are all coming at this um, in, in the best way that we can. And for some people, it energizes them. And for other people, it just knocks them flat. And um, I think I, I always work really hard to supervise and coach my staff in ways that are appropriate for them. 
So I try to know them well enough to know what they need. Um, and it's important that we recognize that not everybody's dealing with this in the same ways. And um, I think emotional intelligence can, can really help us um, to understand that and to cope with it um, and to help people um, feel what they feel and then develop the self-control that they need to get through the next thing. You know, if it's, like you said, if it's, a, if it's a long walk, if it's yoga, if it's eating right, if it's taking a long nap, um, but whatever it is, um, helping folks to know that it's okay for them to have that time. They need that, um, whatever helps them to get to a place where that self-control can be um, back in their lives. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Well, uh, Tiffany, thanks so much for taking the time to talk to me, be on the podcast, and, and writing this blog. Um, listeners, thank you for listening to the NASPA Small College and Universities Division podcast. You can uh, read all about uh, the emotional intelligence blog that Tiffany has posted. Uh, I'll share the link to that in the show notes below. Uh, Tiffany, uh, thanks again so much. Absolutely. It was my pleasure to be here. Thanks so much, Jake.